Hi there, my name is Daniel Simo, and this is 14 Days, a project where I tell an audio story every day from inside Hotel Quarantine in Sydney, Australia. Today is day 13. You know, the first time I really started thinking seriously about Australia's travel restrictions and hotel quarantine was in November of last year, when I produced a story about a couple of Australians stuck overseas trying to get back home. One of the people I spoke to was Julie Noble. She was stuck in Turkey at the time. Now, when I left Australia, I had left my father behind, who was 90. And probably about a month and a half ago, I was informed that my father's heart is now only operating at 30% capacity. And I decided I have to get home. So I bit the bullet and I bought a business class ticket on Qatar Airways for January because that's the I had to book so far in advance because it was the only time that I could afford to go but then again there is no guarantee that I will even set foot on that flight I think by the time I actually set foot on that plane is when I'll actually believe it I got back in touch with Julie recently and I wanted to find out how things panned out did she make it onto that flight did she get to see her father It turns out she didn't get on that flight in the end, but she still made it back. Instead of her original flight, she got a chance to buy a ticket on one of the repatriation flights organized by the Australian government, flying out of Germany. People coming back from those flights get to quarantine in the dedicated facilities in Howard Springs in the Northern Territory. So Julie's experience of quarantine was different from most. It was awesome! I mean, seriously, like the room was small, but it was perfectly fine. Um, The food was stunning. It was really amazing. And so much of it, it was, it was brilliant. It was great being able to sit out on a balcony and chin wag to your neighbours. And that was really good. The Howard Springs Centre used to be an old mining camp and is made up of a number of prefab units known by a term I must admit I'd never heard before. It's like a whole stack of dongers. I mean, you know what a donger is, don't you? <laughs> I don't actually. What's a donger? <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's like a there's a series of three like little little units. They're portable so they can, you know, be carted off on the back of a truck. These sets of dongers, sorry, it feels weird when I say it. These units allow for people to actually have a veranda to get fresh air and to maintain a level of ventilation which can prevent COVID leaks. If quarantine becomes a long-term prospect for Australia, Howard Springs may be the model for what it looks like. Once Julie was out of there, it came time to try to put her life back together. Well, I spent two days I spent two days with a friend in Darwin, just decompressing a little, but the humidity got to me. So I think I was out of um, quarantine, I think it might have been the 17th, 18th of January. Um, I flew to Brisbane on the 21st of January and went into an Airbnb and just madly started applying for jobs. And I was fortunate enough to start a job on the 28th of January and a week later found somewhere actually to live. So that's, you know, it's been pretty good. And even though she landed on her feet quite quickly, the main reason she had wanted to come back was to see her father. She tried to stay with him and her family at the beginning. 
I came back to because dad was so unwell and was told that no you can't come and stay with us <laughs> why, why is that what happened I think they thought I was going to give them COVID so who's this like you, who who told you that that's my father that's my father so your father said no no we don't want you coming down to see us and I'm like well that really threw a spanner in the works thanks for that after she settled in Brisbane, she decided to try again. And it was in March, actually, when I hired a car and I went down to see them. And Dad, you know, I had intended to stay the, um, the weekend with them. And I only lasted like under three hours before I had to get, I got in the car and drove back to Brisbane. Dad was just, he said the most atrocious things about myself and my husband. And, and I just went, right, that's it. I came back for you, and this is all what you can say to me? Now, Julie finds herself estranged from her family, disconnected from her old friends, and somewhat out of place in Australia. It's been really difficult to assimilate back into society, if, if I can put it that way. Now, I don't know if I've changed from living overseas, or people have changed, but I found Australia has become really... People have become really us and them kind of thing. And there is one issue that has driven a wedge between her and a number of people. In all honesty, I'm vaccine hesitant. I've got all my vaccinations, childhood vaccinations and that. My children have as well. But I'm really hesitant about this. And what makes me hesitant about this is a, few th- is a culmination of a few things. Like, uh, one, it's just such new science. And... Um, Secondly, is that any type of dissent around the you must be vaccinated narrative is shut down really fast. You know, any questioning or debate about the science or the the efficacy of the vaccinations is shut down phenomenally. You know, but it just makes, that's me personally, I mean, if someone else wants to be vaccinated, look, that's fine. Go ahead. That's no drama. The vaccine issue has come up even in innocuous settings. You're talking about things with, with people, you know, like someone strikes up a, a conversation with you in the supermarket or whatever, you know, and are you vaccinated? And I'm like, no, I'm a bit hesitant about the whole thing. Oh, my God, you're one of those anti-vaccine conspiracy theorists, selfish bitch, blah, blah, blah. This one woman said to me one day in the line at Woolies. Now she's just waiting and hoping for the borders to open up so she can bring her Turkish husband into Australia. But the lack of certainty is a problem. I'm not particularly optimistic about the future because I don't know when I'll see my husband again. I am hoping like hell that our marriage will survive this separation. If they're sort of like, well, look, we're going to open up June of 2022, hypothetically. It's like terrific. We've got something to work towards. But there is no definitive time frame for opening up the borders for people to leave or come here. Julie faces a kind of paradox here. Because for Australia to open up, for her husband to come to Australia and for thousands of people to avoid the hardship she experienced when she was stuck overseas. That will probably depend on a lot of people, like Julie, choosing to get vaccinated. If they ask as part of the opening up process, 
I mean, you mentioned that you were vaccine hesitant if one of the conditions was getting a vaccination. Oh, look, I I don't know. I'd have to cross that bridge when I come to it. No one knows what the long-term effects of this will be. So I just sort of think, I don't know how I'm going to go if I'm forced into a position that I have to be vaccinated with this. I just don't know how I'm going to react to that. You know, I don't know. When I first talked to Julie last year, she was one character in a larger story I was trying to tell about border restrictions. Now that I've talked to her again, I can see that her story, like most people's, is complicated. I still don't know enough about it, and to be honest, I'm not sure how I feel. And that's okay. People are messy, and as the poet says, they contain multitudes. Even Julie notices some of these contradictions. Because at the same time that she worries about the safety of vaccines, well, there's this. I'm pretty relaxed about COVID, to be perfectly honest. Like when you were in Turkey and it's 60-odd thousand cases a day, you know, you take all the necessary precautions, but, you know, you kind of live with it. But everyone is so paranoid about it here. It's like they equate COVID with an actual death sentence. It's a real interesting contradiction. I think part of the instinct that made Julie uproot her life and move to a faraway country a couple of years ago is also what fuels her issues with vaccinations. I guess it's just for me, the little rebel in me is like, don't tell me I have to have something, I'll make my own choice about it. You tell me not to do something, I'm damn well going to end up doing it. (laughs) Always been a little bit of a rebel, a little bit of a hippie, you know, a little bit of, you know, alternative lifestyle that didn't quite see things the way a lot of other people did, was not into materials, materialism and the accumulation of massive amounts of wealth or anything like that. It always was a little bit of a new harp on me to do something or or don't do something. I will probably do the opposite. (laughs) It's a shocker. I'd like to thank Julie for talking to me again. I imagine if I talk to her next year, I might look at her story a little differently again. I'd also like to thank the scientists and researchers who have developed the COVID-19 vaccines. I hope one day we might look back on their achievements as a testament to the depth of human dedication and ingenuity.